What's up, people? I am so excited to tell you about NordVPN, okay? Because I travel all the time, whether it's on a cruise ship, another country, a military base. And now sometimes I can't watch the UFC because where I'm at doesn't have it. Well, now I can because NordVPN makes it so that I can watch the UFC from different territories via streaming. It lets you change your computer's location to come from anywhere in the world. How cool is that? You might be wondering, what's a VPN? Okay, I know I was. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And it's a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online. It uses it, it creates an encrypted tunnel for your data. It protects your online identity by hiding your IP address. It allows you to use public Wi-Fi hotspots safely. Yes, so no one will track you or hack you, yada, yada. No one likes to be watched or tracked. I don't. Even if you have nothing to hide, still, we want our privacy, which is why it's important to step up your privacy game. Whether you're browsing through a VPN, when you are doing that, okay, your traffic is encrypted so that no one can see what you're doing online, all right? I know a lot of our listeners like to, you know, be private. I've met some of you guys, and I can understand why. Here are a few reasons why you need a VPN, okay? Use public Wi-Fi regularly. You want to access your content. You want to stay safer online. And you're an avid gamer. So you get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash roasted. You can get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. That's the best deal ever, right? It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. I am so pumped because now I can watch the fights from wherever I am. Because so many times I'm like trying to watch the fights and I'm like, it's the most frustrating thing ever. Well, now my life is going to change thanks to NordVPN. NordVPN, check it out. Highly recommend. You'll be thanking me later. Let me bang you, I do let you bang. Let me bang you, man. I let you bang. I let you bang. Greetings, Marriage of Virgins. Go for Jesus. No for Jesus, people. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for your favorite mixed martial arts podcast. Recording out of Los Angeles, California, it's MMA Roasted with Adam Hunter. Who the fuck is that guy? Hey, everybody, welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted podcast. Me, Adam Hunter. I'm here with Sean McCorkle, the great Sean McCorkle. Uh, man, I had a, a rough great. week. Last week, I was I was sick. I, I, I almost, I'm one of these people that like never get sick. So when I get sick, I get fucking sick, you know? Right. Um, so I was sick during the podcast. I had 101, 102, but I'm like, oh, I'm okay. It's not the flu. Then I had to, I had to fly. I had an audition for Quantum Leap which I didn't get the third time they called me in for quantum leap. Uh, and then one for general hospital, which didn't get that. I did like two shows Then I, I flew to Orlando, Florida to do uh, I had a six hour layover to do a cruise and then they flew me to the Bahamas. Then I had to like drive to the boat. And one of those cruises were like, we don't go anywhere. I'm on the second half. Literally, I got on a boat on an Island just to, just to, just to go uh, just to sail back to the, you know, wherever I'm going. Not that I would drive on a cruise, but you understand what I'm trying to say. And then, right. and then I had, of course, like, I, I, I like get in. And of course they're like, you have two shows tonight, a PG show and a dirty show. Like I was so out of it after my second show. I like killed, 
But I was like, I didn't even know where I was. You know, it was just one of those things. I literally like texted my friends. I felt like death. I flew to LA, cruised Bahamas. Had Oh, and I, and I had to go to court online. I had to go to court online to fight one of those red light tickets. And of course, they tell me like, uh, uh, I, I, I like didn't know I had to sign in. What, what's up, Bray? Yeah, I, I remember the same message. Well, I'm in the middle of a podcast. I, I just got in trouble for copying and pasting the message that I wrote to her saying how tired I was. <laughs> so, so uh, thanks. So then I had to, uh, the head court. So now I got like, a, of course, I'm like, it was did not attend. I attended it, but I didn't. Brie, how do I get this music off? I got little kids music playing somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, so I, I did five shows uh, on, on, the, on the cruise. Got back, took my kid to Universal Studios, did a show. I'm literally in therapy this morning. I'm pulling out my hair. Like I have like a, a like a Brian Bosworth thing from, from me uh, from me pulling out my hair. Like that's I have to stop pulling out my hair. Anyway, how are yeah. you? Doing great. Uh, I had a similar, actually not similar at all. No, we traveled, went to San Diego uh, over the weekend. You hooked me up with uh, Theo Vaughn, which was awesome. Uh, although we went to uh, getting tickets for his show was damn near impossible, man. Like you get on, a, they were sold out. So you get on a secondary site and then they tell you, you have the tickets. Then an hour later, they tell you, you don't have them, but they don't like, it ain't like an emergency message. They're just, oh, by the way, no, you don't have tickets. And so like my girlfriend doesn't even notice that like we were going with another couple that one of the seven tickets we didn't get. And so then you get back on with them. They're like, yeah, we don't know what happened, but uh, those tickets are gone. And they're like, okay, well, we'd really like to get like four together if we could. Yeah, sorry. You know, or whatever. Like there's nothing we can do. And so you try that, you do all that. We go to the show, the line to get in his show. I think the theater sat like 1500, 12, 1500, something like that. The line was around three different blocks. Like I could not believe how poorly that show was ran as far as the theater, not Theo show, but the theater. Like we got there, we thought we were going to be late. It was an hour getting into the into the venue. It was like that slow. I was like, man, who is scanning tickets up there? You know, um, doing that. But we went. Uh, I mean, uh, seventy five people at every bar waiting to get a drink. No waitresses, no anything. It was just. I don't know if theater shows are always like that, but like God, do you realize how much money they miss out on? People were just giving up and just leaving, the, like not even getting drinks, just going. Because the show was starting, you know, and you're like, you hired four bartenders for 1,500 people. Like, I don't get, I don't get it. But uh, no, we got to meet him afterwards. Awesome. His uh, business manager, as you know, uh, our road manager name is Bizzle. And so uh, when I hit him up, I said, hey, uh, it's a, if you can't make it happen, man, I promise it's okay. I understand. You know, I said, if you can't make it happen. I said, but at least ask me a question regardless. And he was like, uh, okay. And so then he was like, yeah, we'll make it happen. Is it okay if you meet me up by the uh, stage, like after the show? I said, for shizzle, bizzle. I just wanted to say that. So I went and asked me a question, you know, and uh, I just kept saying it to him the entire time, like for shizzle, bizzle and everything he would say. And I could tell it was like unfunny after the third time. So we're proud for the first time. So he's taking us back to see Theo. And uh, I said, uh, man, a lot of Theo's uh, Theo's stuff was new, man. Like tonight, all his jokes, because it was after the show. And I said, I hadn't heard any of that material before. I said, normally when I hear Theo's stuff, I hear it twice anyway, because usually Brendan Schaub sitting right next to him repeating his punchlines. I said, so I said, it's, you know, it's tough. He started laughing. He goes, yeah, I don't, I don't really know Schaub that well. And I was like, dude, you are missing some cutting edge comedy. I said, you need to look him up tonight. You need to sign him immediately if you're managing comedians. And he was like, oh, really? Kind of like, so we get back there and Theo's just like he is like on, I mean, same dude that you see on the podcast. You know, and it's funny, like that same guy, a lot taller than I thought he would be. Um, I wanted to say, I thought you'd be bigger like Roadhouse, but I figured he wouldn't get it because he had a mullet like Patrick Swayze or whatever. But 
Um, so I debated, my girlfriend was kind of telling me not to do it. I've debated this, but I, I don't know. I like to, you know how I am. So I get back there and uh, I introduce everybody. He's real cool. And I said, man, we don't want to take much of your time. We just want to take pictures with you. He goes, no, it's fine. Sit down. Like, and I said, I did. I said, I know this is an inappropriate time. But I did have something I wanted to pitch you real quick. I said, you probably get hit with shit like this all the time, but I had a quick pitch for you. If you wouldn't mind, and I can tell he's like, oh, God, dude, like, what'd you do to me? <laughs> or whatever. And I said, this is what I'm thinking, man. I said, you know, I'm watching your show. I'm thinking Theo's got, he's got a huge audience. I mean, the show's sold out. He's got fans already. He's got, he's funny. He's got everything you need. He's already in podcasts. And I said, here's what I thought about doing, man. I said, I'm kind of like a washed up borderline CT UFC fighter. I'm not funny. I have no talent or ability. Um, to do anything I said like nothing I'm not funny I'm not good at anything I have no funny stories I have nothing I said but I figured maybe we'll do a podcast together and I said and you can like bring all the fans and get all the jokes and I'll just repeat your punchlines every time you <laughs> say them I'll just, I'll just repeat your punchline and I said and then we'll like split the money 50 50 and I said like you can even have to fly out to Indianapolis to do it like when you do it I said like we'll call it the king and the parrot how's that sound and <laughs> He, yeah, he knew about three quarters of the way in. He knew where I was going with it. I could see a look on his face. But at first, I could see the look when I started to pitch for him. As I started going, I mean, you got fans. I'm hitting with all the stuff. And I, and I could see even my girlfriend and the people with us are like, this is inappropriate. Like, this is not the time to do this, thinking I'm really going to pitch him up, that we're going to do something together, you know, or whatever. But uh, about three quarters of the way, his business manager lost it. Bizzle started cracking up because he knew, like, uh, what uh, he knew before Theo did, I think, because I would have been trashing Shab. But I said, oh, of course, you already did that with Shab. So I guess he'd just be doing a a rerun but uh i don't know something to think about and then i just told him i was just kidding and then uh we got in the elevator to go down to the stage to take a picture and uh, he said dominic cruz came on show last night i said did he? he said yeah he goes he almost fell off the stage like you know we were standing there he said he almost weren't paying attention he almost fell off the stage i said damn that's even faller for him like a longer fall for him with how little he is he goes yeah i said yeah he always struck me as gay and then it was just quiet like nobody said anything like not him or anybody just got like just dead silence and then we we're like okay say cheese like we all took the picture with us but Right before we took the yeah, picture, the last thing that said is, uh, yeah, he always struck me as gay. You really are um, like Larry David, man. Like, uh, there's such a Larry David quality of, like, just what <laughs> not to say. Uh, yeah, me and Theo became friends when I moved here, I don't know, 20 years ago. I met Theo. He maybe had, like, five minutes of material. Uh, and I was running this Westwood Brewing Company. This, like, basically, I moved out to L.A. I had nowhere to perform. And I was getting up all the time in New York. So I walked around UCLA. Uh -huh pretending that I had a comedy club. I found a bar and I told people Chris Rock was going to be there and Chappelle. I even <laughs> sold tickets. They kicked me off UCLA campus. But then I realized that the sorority houses, anyone could just go in there and make an announcement. Like right. on Monday nights, they had their formal dinner, but they didn't like say you, you had to go to the school. So I would go every Monday and make an announcement and be like, hey, we're having a comedy show. We got this person. Meanwhile, none of these people were going to be there, right? Like, Right. but the place only held like 35 people and i would bring theo with me because they, they knew him from road rules and that gave right, me like, right. that gave me like instant credibility these girls got so annoyed with me at one point they had a super soaker aimed at my head when, when, when i came to the door that's how mad but then like that was and I, was, I took that very personal i was like it's fucked up then i ended up banging a couple of those girls like i dated a couple of them and i banged them in the sorority house and it was a kind of a win for me but uh but right. theo me at one time we were at the, at the western brewing company and someone was like theo road rolls and he goes i'm gonna fuck you in the asshole like that was what he said back to him odd <laughs> reply the guy was like what and then like dude then we did a college together one time at like Penn State, 
And it, it was like outside, there was like a wedding going on and the comedy club. Uh, Eddie If was up and there was like crickets. He goes, this is the only comedy so you could actually hear actual crickets. Like there were crickets. And then- Right, that's awesome. And all the girls were there like, oh, Theo's here. So they all run in and Theo had like, like literally four minutes. He's like, my penis is crooked. <laughs> These girls were so fucking horrified <laughs> by his crooked penis. Um, and then, uh, and then I, I booked me and Theo at this like college one time we got like five grand, me, him, Dan Levy, Steve Hofstetter. We did this tour and then Theo got mad at me. Like I, I, I fucked up. Like we were friends and you know, some people like to wrestle some they don't like, you know, you right. wrestle with friends. Well, I, I, I hit him in a single leg takedown and took him down. He got really mad, but I was just yeah. like, but I was just like fucking around, but I could tell I, I went overboard. Like I shouldn't have done that. Like right. that, like if I ever saw him and like, but I would see Theo every day at, uh, at, at Starbucks, just, literally writing for hours a day like theo i mean yeah. everything that happened to him is i'm happy for him because he really has worked hard he he took no shortcuts you know um no, that's, what he, that's what he said it was uh because obviously he's not gonna say anything bad about brandon but uh i said i don't mean to give you a hard time about shawl i said he just sucks real bad i said so i know he's your buddy or whatever and uh he goes uh the only thing theo said he goes man he said he's got a long road ahead of him like this comedy he says comedy stuff is brutal man he said a lot of people don't know they think it's just getting up and talking he said it is a up and down brutal world man he said just disappointment after you know like basically like you're saying kicking the balls after you guys i don't know how to do that i'm obviously twice the size of an average person but we were flying back from san diego and to san diego to there i had an exit row which was fine but on the way back I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how you guys do that stuff flying all the time. Like, it had been so long since I flew somewhere, and I got to go to Germany next month. Like, I almost canceled my Germany thing with my back because I'm like, I'm not sitting in a plane for 20 hours. Like, I'm not doing this. This is like, you can't move. Everybody's rude. Everybody stinks. Everybody, you know what I mean? Or whatever. I'm like, don't you guys shower before you go on a flight somewhere? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. And it's like planes are getting smaller. I don't know if that's a new thing, man, or what, but like planes have leg less room or less leg room. But it's, uh, I don't know how you guys, uh, that fly all the time like that. That would drive me crazy, man. Like, dude, it, the worst is when uh, you know, I get middle seats because they booked the flight for you for like these cruises. I'm always in a middle uh, seat, uh, and yeah, then people yeah. and then people take my armrest. So now, what right. do I do? Do I like shove them off? Like, <laughs> what am I? So I'm sitting there like this, and especially if it's a girl or something, I'm like, I'm not gonna be like, you know. But it, it's just like, come on. There was one time I almost got into a fight with a guy. I, I was on, I was on a going on a flight, and this Asian dude was like, I was looking at my phone, and he was like. And the guy called my name. We we're going onto the plane. He's like, "Move, asshole!" or something. I go, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, move. Yeah. Pay attention or something." I go, "When we get off this flight, I will fuck you up, right?" So then, uh, I, I then the whole flight, I'm sitting there, and there's this like cool black guy next to me and his mom, and I, and he's like, "What's the matter?" I'm like, "I'm gonna fucking kill this guy." And I and like this guy, like I think he was like quasi a celebrity because we became friends on Instagram, and him and his mom were just laughing at the fact that I was. Right. Then at the end, I'm like, "What am I gonna do? Beat him up at an airport? Like, you gotta find an airport right. and you're gonna fly again? Like, you're fucked, especially in my profession. Like, Dude, you're like a I had the cops call. I had the cops call on me uh, about a, a couple years ago. I had the cops call on me. This guy, I got mad because it's when I was flying out to see my girlfriend who lived in San Diego at the time, so I wasn't in a much mood to fly all the time. But we we're flying to San Diego. It's a long flight from Indianapolis, so. This guy that's working the thing said, uh, oh, no, your flights. Uh, I heard him give three different reasons why I couldn't fly at that time. I'd have to fly later on the day to people in front of me. Oh, you shouldn't know. You, you brought a heavy bag. Those have to be loaded an hour and a half before. Oh, no, this and that. And what it is is they'd oversold the flight. They were just lying. Everybody had they had a new reason. So I go up there. He goes, oh, sir, no, you, your, your thing has to be on the bag an hour or has to be on the thing an hour before. Your bag has to be on the belt an hour before. 
And I said, well, when did that start? And uh, he was like, um, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, I'll have, I said, my mom dropped me off. I'll have her come back and get it. I'll just, I'll just do my carry on and uh, I'll still take on this flight. And he was like, uh, well, no, sir. I mean, that's not going to work. I said, no, no, it's good. I got, I got to go and check. I'll, I won't check it back. I'm fine. And he's like, uh, well, sir, the thing is, he comes up with some other reason, you know, or whatever. And it, really what it was, it was oversold. And so I said, uh, so I said, dude, let me ask you a question. I said, last month, I got here five minutes late. Like you had to have your bag on thing 45 minutes before I got here, like five minutes late. And most of that was waiting in your line. And I, and I had, I got charged $250 to change my flight because I was late. You know what I mean? I said, you guys give me $250 because you're changing my flight now to a flight three hours later in the day. Cause I said, I have to sit here for three hours now, you know? Uh, I wait to take a flight now. And he was like, uh, sir, are you threatening me? And I was like, threaten? Like, like what? Like, am I threatening you? And I said, no, I'm asking you, can I have my $250 back? Because you guys stole $250 from me last month. When I was five minutes late, you're delaying me three hours now, which means I'm going to miss the wedding that me and my fiance are going to, or my girlfriend at the time. Um, and it's your guys' fault. And I said, I told you I wouldn't take a bag. I wouldn't anything. I still can't get on the plane, you know? And uh, he said, I'm calling the police. I said, call him. Oh, shit. So he calls the cops and the cops come up and like, sir, keep your hands where you can see him like freaking out. So I said, dude, this is all that happens. And some cop comes up and goes, wait a minute. Is it Brian again? Like the, like uh, Brian from American Airlines again. He's like, yeah, he goes, that, he goes, you're fine, sir. Or whatever. So go ahead. Oh, wow. He goes, well, he said, if you call the cops and be like, call us again, like, cause the guy's a nut, just call the cops. So I put this story on Facebook. Three days later, I've got a guy who said, hey, bro, I got you. Don't worry about it. And I said, I don't know what that means, but please don't get me. Because like, <laughs> like, it always ends up with me arrested or in jail or in trouble. Like when the when the guy, the Jesse Parsley guy, when they got me by harassing him online, putting gay ads for him on Craigslist, and I got charged with harassment via computer network, I had to pay a lawyer five grand, you know what I mean, or whatever. Wow. This guy goes, no, I got it. He goes, watch this, bro. He sends me a video of him going up talking to he's flying to ask for that guy by name brian from american or whatever because he had sent me a picture and said is it this guy like a couple days before i said yeah that guy's an asshole apparently he was flying somewhere he asked for him he's got this all on video the guy comes up and he asked him said i want to see if i can check this and the guy goes yeah you gotta do this stuff. he goes are you threatening me he says it to the guy to the to the guy working there and the guy's like i'm sorry like the guy working there he goes are you threatening me sir he says it to the guy working at brian at american and he goes no he goes i want to see your supervisor right now so supervisor about what's going on. He goes, he's threatening me. Brian has been threatening me this whole time, you know, or whatever. And he said, I have it on tape. I'm going to press charge or whatever. The Brian guy's like, he goes, Brian, get to my office, sir. I am so sorry. Brian didn't do anything that time. Like he didn't oh, do wow. anything. The guy just did that to get back at him. You know, he said, he said he was going to this and that. Like he sent me a video. It's where I got you, bro. I was like, dude, these guys, some of these guys are too good to be trying to know this guy. He's just a fan, I guess, helping I me out. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So yeah, he's like, I got you, bro. I was like, please don't get me. Cause every time they say that it ends up being me in trouble with the police. So. By the way, uh, one funny story about Bruco, the, the Western Brewing Company. So, you know, Godfrey, funny comic, Godfrey, he used to be like the 7-Up guy. That he's yeah, been a, yeah. He's been a friend of mine forever, right? We were on, you know, True Life, I'm going to be a comic together, right? So anyway, what, so he was like annoyed by all the UCLA kids. because it, it was a free show. So you get a bunch of these right. kids just like, make me laugh, asshole. They would heckle. And you know, we had good right. comics there. We had like Dane Cook at the time and the Wayans Brothers and, you know, Jim, I mean, uh, what's his name would come? Jeff Ross, all these comics would come. So Godfrey, like his mom just passed away. So he was in a really bad, dark place in his life. Um, so he he asked me, he's like, so he comes down to do the show and he goes on there and there's no stage at this point. We didn't have a stage at that point. And there's 30 kids in a room upstairs. Huh. It's like a bar upstairs in this like other room, right? Like there's like two right. rooms, a small room. So Godfrey goes, 
he's, he's being funny, but he goes to these guys, who the fuck would fuck you guys? These like frat guys. And the, and the kid goes, your mother, right? Oh. Man. So then Godfrey puts the mic in the, in the mic stand. And I guess he's just taking a jujitsu class for the first time or something or something. <laughs> right. So he goes and he tackles the guy and starts choking the guy out, right? But the guy has right. like, on the ground with the guy. And the guy has like four friends. We get up and start punching Godfrey. Luckily, none of them knew how to punch right. him. Now, I'm running the show. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday or something. I'm like, fuck. So, but like, so I get up and I just start taking people and throwing them off Godfrey. Like, like launch. Right. My first instinct is to start cracking people. But I'm like, I'm going to lose this show. And Godfrey's still in the wrong for attacking, putting his hands on this guy. Yeah, like, I know that. Right. Even though the guy is an idiot saying your mother. So now I'm throwing, so now, like, all this shit's going on. Like, Godfrey's rolling around with this kid. I'm throwing people off Godfrey. Like the other comics are like in the back. Tables get thrown. The whole thing. The cops come up. See, right? Single leg. Now he's mad at that guy for single legging him. <laughs> the fucking cops come and they're like, "What happened?" And I was like, "Uh, they attacked him because he's black, right?" Like I completely right. <laughs> said they attacked because I needed the show to keep going, right? Right. And then they're like, "Oh, that's horrible." And they're like. Godfrey, do you want to press charges? And he's like, no, no, I'm okay, right? So then we we then we, we keep the show going. We still have it. We... <laughs> that's, that's a little that's a little tough to recover from the mood. So I, go, back the... I go, Godfrey, you want to go back up? He's like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, you still got five minutes left, bro. Come on, <laughs> finish finish your set. Oh so God, like, that's crazy. Man. Anyway, I was thinking about you. I I read this book. I I, I don't read books. I should read more books. I, I made a commitment. I'm going to read more books, right? So I read this right. Matthew Perry autobiography. You read this thing? Huh? Dude, I thought Is you had Matthew Perry? Matthew Perry from Friends, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Did, did, you ever, did you ever watch Friends as a kid? Or I know who he is, but no, I never never saw it very much. Yeah. So this guy Chandler, right? So he's this guy that like, he he obviously he had a lot of problems. He was a colic baby growing up and they they gave him something to like, put him to sleep like they put a game back in the day they would give you stuff that like it was the same stuff that was in the stuff he got hooked on later on in life right but right. you know his parents split up his mom worked for trudeau's dad and actually he beat up trudeau justin trudeau as like a kid he was like, oh, really? that's awesome <laughs> he was that's an awesome. Amazing- that sounds too hard but that's awesome he was an amazing tennis player his dad was the old spice guy his dad was an actor they, they like split up his mom was a beauty queen she was 21 she had him so then he comes to you know LA when he's 15 years old. Well, of course, his mom's a beauty queen. She's married to the old spice guy. That's <laughs> naturally. So like eventually this this guy, like he basically he almost didn't get friends because he was on like some show that was like the worst show ever. It was called like LAX Aliens. It was about like uh aliens that worked the baggage claim at like the airport at LAX. And he was like the lead mm. in it, right? <laughs> so he got like 20 grand. But he he like helped all these people get for, to get friends. The, the, the last thing was the last Chandler was the last part cast. He got Chandler right. Next right. thing you know, he's the top of the world. Right, it's the number one show. Right. But meanwhile, he's been drinking the whole time. He's but he's is an alcoholic. So then he he gets a jet ski accident, fucks up his back. They give him a pill like an oxycotton or a, a, a is Vicodin and oxy are they two different things? Vicodin and oxy. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, different chemicals. Uh, oxy works better, but. Uh... Yeah. Pretty sure they gave him oxy. He said within a year he was taking fifty five a day, 50, 55 Lord. oxy a day. Dude, the guy's been in rehab sixty five times. Uh, 
spent, I mean, he made 80 million for friends, but he spent 7 million right. so far on like, he would go look for houses, like look for houses and, and then clear out people's medicine cabinets and look through their uh, pills. This is how fucking much of an addict this guy was on. Uh, his, I mean, you felt bad for him because he seemed like a pretty, he was hilarious by the way. He's not, except for the fact that he kept saying like, like he was in a movie at River Phoenix and he's like, why River was an amazing guy. He's like, why is River died and Keanu Reeves is still with us? He, he doesn't like Keanu Reeves for some reason. Like, but I, I don't know what he has against Keanu. Like, but the dude. Why uh, <laughs> would you hate Keanu Reeves of all people? That's a weird person. He kept like. saying, like, I don't know why I think with Keanu Reeves, but man, his, uh, he has a colostomy bag because his colon exploded because he was so backed up uh, from all the pills he was taking. I guess the pills make you uh, the pills make you so you can't shit. They make you constipated. And Apparently, his, his fifty-five cold, a day. I would guess something's gonna happen. He was yeah. in a coma for three weeks. This dude, uh, and now he said, like he said, he thought that like fame and money would be the solution to happiness. And he's like, he's like, you don't believe it until you have it, and then you realize it's not. Uh, which. Dude, I've said for years and people, I had, I was, you know, I was a millionaire, not multimillionaire, but I had money at 28 and I was always so glad I found out, I mean, enough money, I never had to work again if my ex-wife wasn't so crazy and expensive and uh, ruined my life. But um, I, I was glad I found out early that it really, it's amazing. The difference between making 100000 a year and $500,000 a year isn't really that much. You know what I mean? Even at 28 years old, like it, just if when you go on vacation, you spend 600 a night for a hotel instead of 200 a night you know like your dining room tables ten thousand dollars instead of a thousand dollars but that and what little bit of fame i did have which was very mild obviously um especially in the ufc because that fame doesn't translate to money like it does in most most places fame equals money to some degree in the ufc it's the exact opposite like you know you can't pay your mortgage and twitter followers you know what i mean like it doesn't work but I found both. I think that's what happened. I always say my son asked me one day, why do rich people get rich and famous to go crazy? I said, I think because what if you spend your whole life thinking if I could just be rich or if I could just be famous, I'd be happy. And then you get it and you're not happy and you have what else is there? You know what I mean? Like there's nothing else is there. And then you're snorting cocaine off a stripper's ass, you know what I mean? Or whatever, like uh, before, you know, a lot of people don't have to get rich and famous to do that. But um, no, like that's where I think that's where it ends up, man. It's just some craziness, but it really doesn't. Uh, Joe Rogan said the same thing. He said when he first got his first apartment, he was like, dude, I would be happy with this the rest of my life. Like, you know, when he got his first money off uh, whatever show he was on. Um, yeah, or, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, or whatever. The, yeah, the news radio. He said, "If I, man, I never thought I'd have an apartment like this. And he said, after he'd been living there for like six months, he was like, it was just, that's just his house. It's just my house. And then when you buy a house, it's nice. You're like, dude, this is enough for me. This I never thought. I realized once you get 20 acres and seven dogs, then you're finally happy. That's what I found. You know, once you get, <laughs> he said, I mean, he said, that, he was saying he has a, he has friends that live in a regular <clears throat> place that make never made it. He's like, I would take, I would trade with plays with them any day of the week. I mean, talk about a right. guy in pain. Uh, Cause he's like, he's like, I should, he should be dead. Like he, he would drink to the point where, you know, just bottles of whiskey, bottles, bottles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, he doesn't even get drunk anymore. He's like, after 55 pills, it doesn't even feel anymore. How many pills were you up to at one point? Well, dude, that's what that's what cracks me up, man, is uh, people all the time, like, um, people will, for me, I guess it's different. I've, like, I don't drink, really. I mean, maybe once or twice a year, ever. I don't smoke weed, ever. I don't, I don't do anything. And that's what offends me so bad when I took something for pain. 
or when I do, when people act like, you sure you don't have a problem? I'm like, well, I've never had a problem with anything in my life. I don't take 20 Advil a day because I'm a drug addict. It's because my back hurts. But I did have a doctor tell me one time, he said, when you're in extreme pain, like I am, he said, you're not getting the buzz you would get if you weren't in pain when you're taking, you know, like after surgery and you take a pill, you're not getting a buzz because it's just covering up the pill. So it like keeps you equal, you know? But uh, the, I mean, I literally do literally go in, taking them or not taking them on and off or whatever. I wouldn't give you a nickel for all of it if my back just quit hurting. Like it does, I, I don't, I don't like the feeling. I don't like being, even if you gave me something really strong, I've, I guess I've never found, I haven't tried enough of them to find the one I like. Everybody always told me don't try cocaine because everybody loves cocaine, which I never tried. I've never tried mushrooms. I've never done, uh, I mean, anything. I've never taken anything. Literally the only thing I've ever taken is stuff for pain for my back. And um, if I, if I don't have enough that will stop the pain, I won't even take it. You know what I mean? Like that's how I am. Like a lot of people have to have it, like no matter what or whatever, if it's not enough to stop the pain, I'll just wait. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Cause it, it, I don't know. I just, I've been very blessed. My dad never drank, never did any uh, drugs. My mom never drank, did any drugs. It's weird. Cause I've got a brother who's a raging alcoholic and a brother that's a drug addict. And it doesn't make any sense because uh, my one brother doesn't really drink at all. You know, he's half brother, but I never, I didn't drink the first time until I was 25 years old. Never liked it. Just it wasn't my thing. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've like weeds. Never. I tried weed for my back. I tried eating it, drinking it, smoking. Tried everything. And when it didn't help, I quit taking it. I don't. I just. I don't know. I don't like. Uh, I don't like. I said if 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 I tried cocaine, I'm sure I would love it. Everybody says it's the greatest thing ever. But I. Uh, I've always I, stayed I, away I, from I, anything. I've done it twice before. I hated it because it got me a little high, but then the low. The next day, I felt like beyond depressed. That's um, what they. Yeah, that's what they always say. The low is never worth the. Uh, yeah. I, I had a girl one time that was actually sad. She was a really sweet girl, uh, but she got hooked on and she was with this fighter kid who was a nut, ended up killing himself. But um, she got first, they start snorting cocaine then they start smoking it. Then they start injecting it. And she said, when you start injecting cocaine, the high is unlike anything you can ever even begin to describe. She said, it is the happiest you've ever been in your life by, like she said, it is combined Christmas morning when you're five years old with, the first time you had sex with the first time, you know, like whatever, like everything you can imagine. She said, she said the low coming off of it when you're doing that is suicidal thoughts. 24 hours a day. You, you want to die every minute of every day, you know? And I said, that would be enough. The first low would be enough for me to never want to do it again. But it's, uh, I've just been very fortunate, man. And it's not because I'm some great or disciplined person. Like, uh, I just, it's never, I've never had a substance problem. Never. I just don't like it. I, I've never done anything. And that's what drives me crazy when doctors start, or that I'm making it up. That's the other thing insinuates. We're like, well, maybe, you know, I mean, there's a there's psychological problem there. Maybe you're in psychological pain. I'm like, really? The lower left side of my back is my psychological pain? That's strange. You know, that's, that's a strange thing to have, um, you know. But um, I don't even think about taking a pain pill until my back starts hurting. Like, so if I, like, maybe I'll take, like, if I had an extended release one, I take one, and it's only supposed to last six hours, but it doesn't start really hurting for 12. I don't think about taking one at six hours. I don't even, it doesn't even cross my mind it's always when all of a sudden it starts really really hurting i'm like oh it's time to take my you know what i mean like painkiller yeah. or whatever but uh, yeah just, it, it sucks i feel terrible for people like that though man they do suffer with it because it's it's now you gotta read I mean, this, it's book, gotta be this, this book's happened to be a great book did he he said he was engaged he woke up one day he was engaged living with a woman and he and he had like two dogs he doesn't know how he got there like he doesn't oh, remember proposing <laughs> to her. He barely knew the girl like Golly, man. Well, you barely know your wife when you meet her or when you marry her anyway. I found that out the hard way. They, uh, my dad used to always tell me before I got married, you're not going to meet your wife till you're in it about a year. He said, all you've met is the representative she sent in to close the deal. He said, that's who you've met so far. And 
He said, I've noticed, like, no, dad, I've noticed since I was eight years old. He goes, you won't meet her until about two years in. That's when then he goes, and then when you have a kid with her, then you'll really meet her because then she's really got you by the balls, you know, like that's yeah, what like Louis C.K. had said, a joke about that. He's like, he goes, when you're, you're in, when you're married, you're like, I can't leave. Then you have a kid, you're like, I could have left. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, the more the more you have, the further they got you by the balls, man. But it's uh, I don't know, man. I, I I tell my son all the time. I beg him to wait till he's thirty to get married. I'm like, man, listen. I even tell him on college. Everybody else pushes their kid. Do this, do that. I'm like, dude, have fun in college. Take twelve credit hours a semester. Take five years instead of graduating in four, so you can get good grades and have fun. You know, don't do. I played basketball in college, and it took all the fun out of it, man. Like it was, they own you forty hours a week playing basketball, so I had no time for anything but basketball or schoolwork, you know, and it was, uh, I hated it. I hate every minute of it. But um, my dad begged me not to get married until I was 30. He said, there's no pressure to achieve. There's no pressure. You don't have anybody to feed. You don't have anybody you're responsible for. If you don't have a kid and you don't get married until you're 30. And then he said, marry somebody eight to 10 years younger than you because men age better than women. All stuff that I would find out later in life was true. But then again, I also had to look out for the penis conspiracy. I think I told you about that, right? Yes. Like, a couple times ago, my dad was telling me everything's shaped like a penis. So, like you, <laughs> great advice. I told you about that, right? How we had to. Yeah, I think we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. like had me paranoid. They're trying to turn me gay by everything being shaped like a dick. That's what I'm afraid of. Instead, I'm not listening about getting not getting married or you know, like. It's, I asked my dad. I'm like, did you know it was going to work with my stepmom? He's like, I knew at the wedding it wasn't going to work, but she had nice furniture. Right. I was like, yeah. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> What's up, people? BetOnline.ag basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and live scores and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events you can bet the nfl NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Check it out. Uh, well, you, knew, friend, oh, you said when or because she had nice furniture because she had nice furniture no no he goes i knew it wasn't gonna work but she had nice furniture oh i thought you were, i thought you said that's how you know it worked because she already had nice furniture no, he said like, he stayed he, he said he stayed in the he yeah he was telling me uh he he, he but that was the mess he told me before he like moved he had an apartment that he sold to two different people and then he moved out before they realized they both bought it from him right <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that happens sometimes. People do that. That's great. The, the double sale. I had a, I was funny. I had a, I had a neighbor when I first moved in to my very first house I bought. I was 19 or 20 years old. He was this real old man who liked to talk all day long. And like, I mean, he never stopped. And you and you couldn't understand him. He'd just be like, hey, and was like I, okay. Like, I don't know what that means. But, and his dog would bark all the time. He'd always go, puppy, no. Like he called his dog puppy. So I'd say, puppy, no. So I told him I was putting up a privacy fence down one side because I had pit bulls back then. And uh, they were only $1,000 pit bulls, not $10,000 pit bulls, but I had a couple pit bulls back then. And I was going to put a privacy fence down the one side that already had a chain link fence. And he was like, rah, 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 which I took to mean him saying, uh, he told me that was half his fence. He paid for half of that fence. So he didn't want me to take it down. And I'm like, well, I'm putting a privacy fence up. So if you don't want me to take that down, I can leave it. But that seems odd. 
And he was like, he didn't want me on his property, put the privacy fence up because he wanted me want his thing. So I said, okay. So I just put the ugly side facing him, yeah. like the post facing him, the ugly side, and put up a privacy fence. And then he comes and he was devastated. I see him out there, like he like looks and is looking, but the posts are facing me. I said, you said I couldn't come on your property. I couldn't, I couldn't put the good side towards you. So that's just what you get. So I saw him out there for a month. He was out there with a little hatchet, hitting the little things, trying to take down that fence by himself, like an 80-year-old man. And I was like, I, I offered to do it. I offered to put up the nice fence. You didn't want to do it. So you and puppy over there, take down your little fence. And uh, it took him forever. But uh, my brother, I have a real funny brother. He said, he goes, you made him become Wilson. And I didn't know what that meant, but he was like talking about that home improvement show how Wilson was always behind yeah. the private fence because now I couldn't see him. All I could see was the top of his head, you know. And he goes, "Dang!" He turned him into Wilson. And so uh, my brother, anytime he'd come over, he'd be like, "Hey, what's up, Wilson?" Like he'd say it to to the old man. The old man didn't know what it meant. I like had no idea what it meant. Um, and then sometimes my brother would also yell out, "Puppy, no!" Like just like the old man and the dog would bark. And we had a, my brother was something else. I got a, I got a brother that's I'll tell you about sometime. He's a, I don't think you've ever heard the stories about him. He's on another planet. So. Oh God. By the yeah. way, I, I, I was making the other comic laugh on the cruise. Nice guy. Because there was a guy from New York who was like this like thug comic who goes around beating up comics. He's like a real bully of a comic. And uh, <laughs> so. Then Godfrey? No, no not Godfrey. <laughs> but this guy's like, so he, um. On my Facebook a couple of years ago, it was like right when COVID happened. It was a half birthday. It was my birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday. So he writes, I was watching your Tonight Show set. You stole my fucking joke. When I see you, it's on, right? I'm like, I, so I text a guy and I'm, I hit him up on Facebook. I go, what joke? He goes, you know what you did? I go, dude, I, I honestly, I haven't seen you do comedy in 22 years. I have not seen you. I, and then even then, I would never see him. I would only see him outside of comedy right. like, like beating people, threatening people. I go, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I write 10,000 jokes. They're all, most of them are like six words long. I, th th there's a good chance that like we had a similar joke. It's just, it's just shit happens, right? I go, what right. joke? What joke? Oh, you, what? I go, he goes, I'm going to fuck you up when I see you. I go, all right, man. Like, I go, I'm not afraid of you. Uh oh really? You don't you don't be afraid. Blah, blah blah. I go. I'm not afraid of you, dude. Like I go. Listen. I finally had enough because you kept saying keep that same energy, motherfucker, and then call me the n word and this and that. So I was like, which is which is absolutely unacceptable in these days. No one calls a white n word and gets away with it. So I was like, all right, man. Look, I trained at Henzo Gracie's gym. Here's the address. It was on Wilshire. The time I was doing kickboxing, I was doing Muay Thai. I go. I'm there every Monday and Wednesday from three to five. When you come to me, when you come to LA, show up, call me, sign a waiver, and we'll fight. Right. Uh, right. And my friend, my friend who's black, was like, "Wait, you said what?" I go, "Sign a waiver." He goes, "That is the whitest shit I've ever heard in my life." He goes, "You said sign a waiver." I go, "Yeah, sign a. I, I'm not being sued to fucking get. You know, we'll right. sign if he gets hurt. If I get hurt, well, he goes, he goes." Let me. Go. I'm gonna do that on stage. I go. Go ahead. He goes. He laughed for like an hour about me saying sign a waiver. He thought right. that was the funniest fucking dude. He was dying laughing. That and there, there was a comic that kicked, got kicked off uh, the cruise. A white comic for saying for saying the n word in his in his act. It, it was like right. on it was on TMZ, right? Like, and I like know this guy. I guess he was Rob O'Reilly, and like he was a good comic. I actually got mad at him one a couple years ago because 
he, during my show at the Bruco, he like got another night and was promoting his show to my people in the crowd during the show. And I was like, you can't right. do that. Dude. Then he, and he he apologized like 10 years later. He's like, yeah, man, I'm really sorry. I was new to LA. Oh, cool. Anyway, so now he got kicked off Carnival, right? Then he's like, but if you want to sign a waiver, we can handle this. And he was like, no, nah, it's all good, man. It's cool. <laughs> So th there's like five or six black comedians uh, that like, I, uh, there's a lot more, but there's, I like, no, like I, 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 that I called and I was like, I called like Ty Barnett. I, I called Mike Estime. I go, Hey man. And I pretended I was, I was Rob. I'm like, Hey man, this is Rob. Uh, I don't know if you heard what happened. They were all mad. Like, Oh, hi Rob. You know, they were fucking pissed. I go, listen, you know, I, I said the N word uh, on stage and people are mad. And, you know, I, I noticed that you say it too in your act. Uh, can you sign a, uh, can you, can you, can I, can I go, can you sign a piece of paper saying that you give me permission to use the N word in my, I'm, I'm trying to get signatures. Right. And I'm wondering if you could sign this, uh, saying that it's okay. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, they're like, but I'm black. I'm like, yeah, but we're both comedians. And, and I, if you could just sign this, uh, and they're like, no, I'm not fucking signing that. You <laughs> start screaming at me. Like, That's awesome. I assume you later told them you were joking, right? Yeah, Not yeah. I go, like, say, I go it's me, Adam Hunter. They're like, motherfucker. They're like, man, I'm like, what? They're like, man, they, they were dying laughing. Like, you got me, you got me. You <laughs> fucking dying. You called up, uh, what was I saying, Michael Richards to see if he got his permission at very least <laughs> say it because he's done it. But uh, that waiver story is funny because I didn't know that was the widest thing to ever. I've told a hundred people who were going, I, I used to get messages all the time. You're lucky this, you're lucky that. And I'd be like, dude, just come sign the waiver at my jujitsu school so I don't get in trouble. We can just fight whatever rules you want, literally. If you want to do, because they're like, yeah, so jujitsu or uh, UFC ain't a street fight. I'm like, you can write, we can agree, we can bite each other, we can poke each other's eyes, we can stab each other, whatever rules you want. I'm completely, completely fine with whatever rules you want. Like, if you want to bring guns, if you want, like, whatever you want to go, we can do, but you have to sign a waiver because I'm not getting sued. For yeah, beating yeah. you up because it doesn't happen. I mean, you see those videos online where guys go and challenge somebody, they beat the shit out of them, you know what I mean, or whatever, yeah. and then they want to sue them, you know, or whatever. So I said we can sign a waiver, but yeah, that's uh, no one has ever they yet to ever do it. They usually hit me up and apologize, say they were drunk and sorry, and I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm just saying, like, um, but the, the, my favorite one I was always is no, you ain't gonna see it coming. Then you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, that's that's the one. I'm not gonna see it coming. It's gonna come up and. You're going to fight me, but I'm not going to see it coming. So you're what, going to sucker punch me, but you're telling me ahead of time? Like, I don't get, like, what's, you know. What's well, after the... I said sign a waiver, the guy called me up, the comic, <laughs> and was like, motherfucker, you don't know who I am. And I'm like, bro, I don't care who. You... I go, listen, dude, if you want to fight, we can fight. And either you'll win or I'll win. But at the end of the day, I still didn't take your joke. So it's not, right. all... I'm like, all we're going to accomplish is the fight. And, he... and then once I said that to him, he's like, all right, man, I guess great minds think alike. And, you know, then he's like, if I ever come to L.A., let's, let's go out for a drink. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> it was completely squashed, you know, I was like, because. What you know, joke did he, do you remember what joke he think he stole or not? I have no idea. He never told me the joke. Like. What's, how can he get mad at you? You're going to tell you what joke he thinks you stole. Like. <laughs> I don't know what joke. I honestly don't even know what joke. I'd have to go watch. That's probably when he needs material. He probably just does that. Like, like, what joke did I steal? Well, tell me one of yours, and I'll tell you if it's the one. Like, you know, whatever. Like, I tell you, like, right guys in the comic. I, I don't even know. I can't even. I've never even seen his act. You know, I, I, I don't. I can't tell. I go, dude. I can't tell you one joke you tell. That also pissed him off. But I'm like, it's the truth. 
Um, right. The worst is when you think, I used to think I come up with jokes all the time. Like I would like, and I had subconsciously heard them while listening to a podcast sleeping or something. Like I thought I came up with, they always say laughter is the best medicine, but in my opinion, if you're diabetic, go with insulin. Right. right? Like that was like, I thought it was a great joke. And then I hear Norm McDonald say it like in 1989 on some show he was, or something he was doing. I was like, dude, I heard that years ago when I was a teenager, probably, and thought it was funny, and then somehow thought I made it up later on, like 20 years later. But some guy told me that I stole a joke from Eddie Murphy Raw, which is the worst joke ever. I put on, I was driving one time, and it said, your car or your door is a jar when I opened up the door. And I was like, a stupid car? My, it's a door, not a jar. Like I wrote that on Twitter, just being dumb. The guy yeah. said, oh, that's Eddie Murphy Raw. You stole that. And I'm like, dude, I didn't steal that. And I don't think Eddie Murphy would make that lame of a joke. You know? <laughs> and it made me so mad. I watched all of Eddie Murphy Raw to make sure that, that joke wasn't in there. And it wasn't in there. Like it wasn't, I don't know if the guy was just messing with me, but I was like, dude, I don't, if, if there's anything, I, if I steal a joke, I say I stole it. Like I tell people ahead of time, I stole it, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, I watched all of Eddie Murphy Raw figure and he's like up there talking about crazy shit. And I'm like, when is he going to say his car? And, and Eddie Murphy Raw, when did cars say your car door is a jar? 1986? When it, like, you know what I mean? Like, Cars didn't talk back then besides, so well, scary. Michael Knight's car, Knight Rider, but besides that, Kit talked, but, so you know. From you watched the fights last week? Uh, who was it? I don't even remember. Who, who was uh, fighting? Amanda Lemos fought Marina Rodriguez. She she stopped her. No. She had her pretty much. It was, I thought, it was one of those things, like, it was a main event. The other girl was, both girls were good. So the girl Rodriguez was getting tagged and turned away to, like, walk away. Like, and then got, and then the ref put, like, stopped it. You know, sometimes when girls get punched in the face or even guys, they, they'll turn away and like walk right. almost like, and right. then protest the stoppage, which if, if you, if you turn away and it's like, you don't want to fight anymore, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I, that, yeah. That'd be weird. Unless, I mean, I've seen guys that are tired do it, like walk and act like, yo, Try the cool walking off when they're tired for a second just to catch their breath. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting hit and you do it, you got to think they're going to. That's what they do when you against against Struve. When I went to roll, I was trying to give up my back so he quit punching me in the face because he had me mounted and I couldn't defend myself. I was just taking shots to the face and I was like, I would rather him have him try to choke me because I can survive. You know, there's only like 40 seconds left, so I go to roll to give up my back and I get stuck sideways. Now he's got me mounted sideways and he's elbowing me inside the, the head and I can't get back to my back or to my stomach. I can't go either way. I'm like going back and I'm stuck. And so then it looked like I was just giving up and they stopped it. But I was like, I couldn't blame them because I was like, I was yeah. gassed anyway, though. But I was like, I got stuck trying to give my back up. So yeah, it's, uh, when you turn away like that, you got to think that's what they're, that, that, what the ref's saying, you know, that you're stopping. So uh, Neil Magny beat da uh, Daniel Rodriguez. That was, uh, Greg called it. I mean, Magny yeah. like won this fight. He, he like stopped it with a Dars. Uh, you know, D-Rod is one of those guys who he started when he was 25. So I think it's just like, he's going to look good against a lot of guys, but against yeah. those guys with 50 fights, it's, you know, it's one of those. Dude, things where especially guys now that are starting so young, man, it's crazy. Guys are starting. I mean, these kids are, some of them are fighting MMA fights. They got guys fighting 10, 11 years old MMA fights, man. Like I can't, can't believe the parents are letting them do it. It's, I think I told you I've got couple buddies like you want to come watch my kid fight i'm like you shouldn't be watching your kid fight man like what are you doing like why are you letting your kid do that man but it's uh jujitsu i'm all for wrestling you know whatever stuff like that but it's uh 
the, yeah, I started, I told you, I started taking jujitsu at 29. Didn't, uh, didn't even think about fighting at the time. You know what I mean? Just did it. I mean, just locally, uh, like six or eight months later, not as a joke, but just as a, like a bucket list thing. Uh, Mitrione didn't start training until he was 28 or nine, I think. Had never. Yeah, and that's what a, happens. I mean, Mitrione, yeah. I think, was never, unless he would have gotten like, not a lucky shot, but knocked everybody out. I just think it was like, even with the, a lot of these football players, you're just covering up too much ground. Uh, yeah, it's too, uh, yeah, it's too hard, man. You can't. I could still to this day, if my back was good playing basketball, I could still go six score 60 points in a game, a league game, because I just know how to play just from learning. You know, what I mean, a young age, but when you start in your in your late 20s, unless you're in Ghana or something like that, he's ungodly gifted physically, you know what I mean, or whatever. And even then, it's going to be hard for him to, you know, to catch yeah. up. Of course, when you can. You can touch somebody and they fall down. I guess that's pretty like him and Jake Paul. We want to be able to touch people and they just fall down automatically. <laughs> but, uh, those are the two. But yeah, these guys, uh, the next generation, it's going to be crazy, man. When we're, I don't know, assuming we're still alive in 30 years, I can't even imagine what they're going to have. They're going to have the best athletes and the guys that have been trained since they were five years old. It's going to be unreal, so, man. There's a big controversy between, uh, so this guy, Shyleon. New Dan BRK, right? So I he, he I bet that was close. He beat Derek Maynard, right? So yeah, people think that this fight might have been fixed. Is that they're actually looking into it because I guess like a, an hour before the fight, like the odds went from like you know two to one to six to one for that for the for the Russian. Yeah. Like, it was like really, and people are blaming James Krause on this because Krause said he made more money gambling. Than he's ever made on MMA, and I guess now yeah. they're not allowed to, to to do any kind of. Uh, I guess fighters can't gamble on them or against them. But I I don't think I think Krause is retired, so I don't know. Anyway, and Krause had this guy, so this guy's leg gave out within thirty seconds of the fight, right? And his leg's out, just a freak. So then he throws another leg kick, <laughs> like so. His leg is clearly gone, and throws a second leg kick. So now his leg is completely out. So then he kind of, oh, yeah. kind of like goes into the corner and holds his head while the guy's punching him. He's tapping the strikes, like, and people are right. saying that he might have thrown the fight, but I don't think that James Krause, knowing James Krause, is not that kind of guy to bet to bet against his own guy. He would never yeah. do. That. My my guess, my guess would be if he indeed was hurt beforehand, maybe word got out that yeah. he was hurt. Like somebody, he told maybe he told he could have told his uncle his. Wife could have told anybody like my I just blew my knee out or what or something's wrong with my leg and before it gets out like that there's no telling I've had people before dude I've had to shame and it's a, it's a shame but it's true I have bet against a few friends before that were fighting because I knew they weren't training or living right or doing the right thing you know what I mean or whatever and I knew that they weren't taking it serious and uh, I was like I would never tell them that but I was like I, I haven't seen him in the gym once for this fight one time at Burnley the guy goes and knocks the dude out you know what I mean he hasn't trained <laughs> one time I was like great. Haven't trained one time. You ought not to do doubt, but um, I don't consider that really inside information necessarily. If there's unless there's a confirmed injury, you know, if I know a guy's not doing it right. But uh, you told me, dude, I could have made a fortune. I was gambling heavy then too. You told me Rousey was going to lose to Holly Holm. You yeah. told me, dude, bet the house on it if you were ever going to bet on a fight. Yeah, I will we'll cut it to from right here. Yeah, no, I, ha I had a feeling that there was a lot. I like knew people in the camp, and they said that like Ronda was just not. Uh, I didn't think that Holly was going to, I just knew that, you know, like anything else, it was Ronda Rousey was getting Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas. She was giving me Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas vibes of right. like, you know, anytime people just 
they just don't consider the opponent. I'm like, uh, maybe this is time to bet on the opponent because yeah. you see all the time. I knew on Anderson Silva Weidman, I told everybody on Anderson Silva Weidman, their first fight, I said, I don't know what it is, but I just know the way Anderson Silva was acting. It's like he was saying, like, they were asking, what if you lose? He's like, ah, if I lose, I lose. Like, you know what I mean? Just saying things like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't, I don't know. And plus, I knew, uh, I knew, um, what's his name? Weidman was really, really good. Um, I don't know what happened to him. It's weird, man. I don't know if it was the injuries or what. Like, he just, I don't know if he had success early, but he, uh, he, man, he was, for a while there, man, he looked unbeatable at 185. Like, he really did, man. He looked unreal, like, when he was beating guys. Just He cut 30 pounds at one fight. The week of the fight took a short notice. I don't remember against who, but still beat him. And I was like, that dude is an animal, man. And um, when yeah, I met him in person, I've got a picture with I was going to say, I've got a picture with me and Weidman. I probably only look 30 pounds heavier than him in the picture. And I'm like, dude, how do you make 185 pounds? He was like 220 at the time or 225, but he was a thick, solid 225, you know what I mean, or whatever. I'm like, how the hell do you make 185? But, um, yeah, I he – uh, one of those things where, like, Chris was a guy that, like – because I knew Chris's coach in college, Tommy Ryan, and he also recruited me. And Chris said that, like, he, he, he had such natural ability that he was able to take top four in the country in wrestling without giving it his best shot. He just had that, like, uh, that thing. Right. And when he finally, like, put it all together – but Luke Rockhold just had his number. Something about Luke Rockhold yeah. him just didn't match up good. I also kind of knew when he was buying cars that, like, you know, when he was coming up, he was living with his wife in, like, her parents' house, I think, in the basement. Yeah, basement you know, there or something. He was so hungry. And then right. when he got big, I think he, he had, like, a parade. Well, I think once you have a parade, it's it's over. <laughs> like, they had a... <laughs> They had a Chris Wyman parade in Long Island. And I think that that just was. I filled it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a famous Muhammad Ali saying it's hard to get up. Uh, it's hard to get up and run at six in the morning when you have a parade scheduled that day or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I knew a guy, man. I knew I used to know a guy back when I was in business, uh, an appliance recycling business. I knew a guy that was a, uh, he was a lawyer. I actually hired him, but he was a lawyer, a uh, Mexican guy in Mexico for uh, the narcotics traffickers. Like he was also a judge. And a and a guy and he said he he got a guy off one time down there uh, one of the big time cartel guys and the guy gave him a million dollar bonus cash for getting him off of his case or whatever and he said he spent it in three weeks it was gone and I was like dude how the hell do you spend a million dollars in three weeks in Mexico of all places how do you spend that and he said he had a mariachi band that followed him twenty four hours a day and played music for him everywhere he went a, a six piece mariachi band so. Even as he would sleep at night, they would play lullabies or play songs. As he would eat, they'd play whatever. If he was in a good mood, they'd play fast music. If he was, and he said he had like that and about 20 hookers and cocaine and all kinds of other stuff. But he said, uh, he figured I made a million dollars that I wasn't even planning on coming, plus whatever he made for the getting the guy off, you know. And he said, I, he said, he figured I'm going to be doing this all the time, getting these guys off. This is easy down here. He said, then he realized after about a year of doing that, that once you get to know too much about their business, they just kill you because you become a liability because you know too much of how it works, their cartel. So if you can't get them in trouble, then you, one of their rivals will hire you away or will do whatever he said. So 
he realized he had to get out of that business because he kept saying his friends get murdered, like all his lawyer friends were getting murdered. So he said he had to get out of that business. But then last time I talked to someone that knew him said he's back in it again. So he probably won't live very long. But uh, yeah, that was funny. When he said he had a mariachi band following 24 hours a day, I was like, that is awesome. Everywhere you go is just a band following you playing. Yeah, Geico commercial or something. I could see that. Like a... Yeah. Dude, MC, MC Hammer had that problem. I remember he was on Arsenio and Arsenio was like, I heard you're just blowing money. And he's like, no, no, no. MC Hammer at the time said he had a light in his car that turned on the light to his fish tank in the house. Right. And this is like, <laughs> this is like in the eighties. Like when you just, you didn't have Super shit like that. <laughs> Super <laughs> necessary either way. You definitely got to have a light or switch in your car to flip on the light in your uh, aquarium at your house. You got to. <laughs> Oh, oh. So this week, I think about people like that, or Mayweather spend twenty five million dollars on a watch so he can show it off, and I always think, man, you know, everyone knows you're rich. Just think how many people you could help with twenty five million dollars. Think of think of the lives you could change. You could change a thousand lives with twenty five million dollars. You really could, you know what I mean, or whatever. And what if there is a God when we die? Do you think He's going to be like, hey? Really, that was really cool when you bought that twenty-five million dollar watch that one time when you, there's children starving. You know what I mean? Like it just—I don't know, man. I don't. Know. I had a show. I had a show at the Laugh Factory, and he was there. I was opening for Mike Estime, and he had two hot girls next to him, and a girl behind him who was attractive, who was her job was to massage his head for an hour and a half. Right. Right. For an hour and a half, that was her job. Right. <laughs> the head masseuse. I wonder if that's a union job. Like, I wonder if they got a tough one to get. Like, it's a couple of benefits or, like, what? I know Bob Sapp had a Bob Sapp had a girl. Bob Sapp has such a huge heart, literally and figuratively, but he's got such a huge heart that he hires almost anybody that needs a job. Like, he'll give them something to do because he feels sorry for him. So, um, his guy, he's got a guy that is the pilot. That it's a long story. I'll tell you that off air. But um, he has a girl that she just follows him around, like wipes the sweat off of his forehead. Or, I mean, feeds him his food, does stuff for him. And I was like, dang, man, Bob's living the high life. And he goes, actually, he found that girl. She was like a 13-year-old prostitute um, working in one of the brothels or something. He found out about her, met her on the street or whatever. And he was or like, in Japan, he's like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, either way, he found out. I, don't, I doubt he was looking for a little girl. But he said someone that, like, he saw her. So maybe she's working the streets. And he's like, how old are you? Like, she's a little girl. And he goes, you're not, you're not doing this anymore. And just like took care of her, like got her uh, like an apartment, like got her place to live and hired her. And she doesn't um, she's not very attractive. So I doubt he's like, you know what I mean? Like doing anything with her. Like he just literally just and he said the, the guy by the one buddy of his said, Bob takes care of so many. He's got a staff of like 14 or 15. And most of them are just people who have had like terrible lives or just the worst things happen to him. They give him a sad luck story. And he's just like, you know, I, I got a job for you. He said there's a guy that does his landscaping at his house when he's not there. And he said, the guy didn't even show up half the time, but Bob still pays him like 1200 a week, just cause he feels bad for him, you know, or whatever. But uh, he said, uh, yeah, he said, Bob is just, and he Bob paid for everything for me the entire time we were there. He kept paying for everything for me. And I was like, Bob, you don't have to do that, man. Like, I'm not like, I'm fine, you know, or whatever. He goes, no, it's good. I mean, all the food, everything, everywhere we went, he paid for everything, insisted uh, he paid for everything. So he's, uh, I don't know. I went to the red light district in Brussels. And like it's like the best looking girls you've ever seen. They're all in the windows. They're all prostitutes. And they're all like, yeah. a lot of them are really hot. So at the time I had this show called Kamikaze Comedy, where it's comedy, people aren't expecting it. So I paid like $50 and I was going to just tell her jokes the whole time. And, and, I, right. had like, and I had my, my phone, right? And I was gonna, that was going to be like my bit. 
but right. the, but the, the lady came in and like maybe delete all the shit on the phone uh and then uh and then she's like do you want to have sex i was like i was like no and then, then i like just so I, then that was it i just fucking wasted money <laughs> right super ego i'm sure too i heard that brandon shop tried the same thing and the lady said there's some things even money can't buy like she was like listen i have i have some standards i'm not gonna listen to brandon shop comedy for 30 minutes for 50 bucks you must be crazy but we're right. actually when we fly back have you ever, have you ever been to uh dublin no. I figured you've been to the ball place. You haven't been. We're, we're trying to fly back from Germany, and me and my girlfriend. Most of, for whatever reason, most of the flights back that aren't a million dollars are they have like a twenty four hour layover somewhere in different cities. And I was trying to find some city that it would be cool to visit for a day. Uh, since the like Dublin was one of the options, I was just looking at different places. I was like, I'm going to have to find some place that's cool to go. But it seems like Amsterdam is a huge one that everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Must lay over for a weekend. And I like, I don't know. I know, I know there's stuff. I don't know exactly what's in Amsterdam, but I know it's trouble. Like, I know it's not good, whatever's there, because I you hear different things, but I know like Amsterdam, like people, I've heard something to say, oh no, weed's just legal. I'm like, I think there's a lot more legal there than just weed, because people go all the way there just for that. Yeah, but uh, weed prostitution yeah. is illegal there. All right. So the fights yeah. this weekend, quickly. Uh yeah. Adesanya versus Pereira. Uh Israel Adesanya lost to Pereira twice. First time it was, I guess it was very controversial in kickboxing. Second time he got knocked out. Uh, I think Israel's gonna win. I, I don't know why. Perez only had like six fights, MMA. I think Israel's got too much experience. You? Yeah. I, I would like to see Adesanya lose. I really would. I've not been a big fan of his since he's humping people in the cage and having titties on one side where he's obviously taking steroids. Not that I can say anything different because I took them, but um, I never had titties though. Um, no, the. Um, I mean, the smart money says him just for the experience, but that other guy's got dynamite in his hands, man. He does hit hard, so he's only he only takes him one punch. But uh, I'd say Adesanya probably for the, the much experience as he has in championship experience, I think uh, he'll probably outlast him and beat him, but I would love to see it go the other way. Carla Esparza versus Zhang Welly. This girl lifted up – this little Chinese girl, she lifted up uh, Nganu, like – like kind of like kind of like double like pick them up. She's a hundred right. pounds. Um, she's hitting the pads. She looks like a monster. I just I, I want Carla to win so bad. Uh, but man, it's this girl is looking like I don't know what they did to her when she lost. There were probably numerous things I would guess. And probably if her family's not held hostage this time, or if she's not been hooked up to some sort of machine that rejuvenates her entire everything, like she's got the body of an 18 year old or something. I don't know. They uh they do weird things in China. But uh has she lost anyone but Rose? Rose is the only one that beat her, right? Yeah, Rose beat her. But that's the only one, right? She never lost other than that, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think anybody will beat her again for a while. I don't think uh, this fight or anybody else. I think she is. She looked, I'll tell you what, Rose, I mean, Rose is good, but I thought Rose was going to get murdered in that fight, especially the first 30 seconds watching. I thought, man, this girl is, she fights like a, not to be sexist, but she fights like a man. Like she really, she looks like a, she looks like a, a dude out there. The way she moves, the way she swings, it does not look like a, a woman fighting. So. I hope Carla wins. I really do. I really do. Um, Poirier versus Chandler. Oh man! So Poirier's hot sauce is now the official hot sauce of the UFC. Uh, I saw that on my Instagram. I wonder when the UFC would finally get an official hot sauce. They've been needing one for so long. Like all their food has been so bland. I thought, man, are they ever going to get an official hot sauce? 
uh this fight i this fight could obviously go either way both these guys have like zero defense they both get hurt i, I don't even know who has less miles on them I, I i can't even say they're both just maniacs um i feel like chandler poirier i feel like has got has had the title and it, maybe maybe channel's a little hungrier uh sean this one i think chandler man just he's got more power and uh, Chandler's kind of guy, it's amazing. It doesn't matter. Chandler's the kind of guy that strikes me as it doesn't matter if he got knocked out 30 times in a row, he's still going to come out swinging wild and swing, you know, going for the knockout with every punch, no fear at all in getting KO. Not, he's not gun shy at all from getting, you know, like a uh, hit. Like he doesn't. Uh, and I think it's only a matter of time. It's kind of like Gaethje. If he can, if you stay, if he can stay in there long enough without getting knocked out, eventually he's going to hit you, you know? And uh, when he does, it's bad news. Him, uh, He's a dude. I'll tell you what. He's got balls. Them dudes. Some of them dudes, man, are a different breed. Him and Gaethje and those guys like that. They, uh, they, they're just like they really would. I think Gaethje said it, which is true. Like if this were a different time, they really would be the gladiators out there with swords, you know, fighting each other. Like those are the kind of guys. Uh, those are for real fighters. Edgar's last fight. He's fighting Chris Gutierrez. is a really good fighter. It's in MSG. I'm another guy I'm rooting for is Frankie. I mean, one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. I don't even know what he has to prove. I think he doesn't, he doesn't want to go out on a loss. I think that's his whole right. thing, um, which is, I think, dangerous a little bit because, you know. Uh, but I've been following him on Instagram. He's he's wrestling. He's he's, he's doing everything right. Um, but, man, I, I, I still can't believe he's still fighting. I mean, he's one of the, like, but I, remember when he be, I remember when he beat Gray Maynard. Uh, that's what I mean. That's what I was saying all the way back to that fight, man. Like, and I'll tell you what, man. I don't, you know, he used to, what he used to fight 155 pounds. Every time I see him in a picture, it's like he's shrinking. Like, he's even smaller than the last time. I saw him, I saw a picture somewhere. I don't remember the other day. He took a picture with another guy that I know is really small. And that I've seen him in person. I don't remember who it was. And he looked tiny compared to him. And I was like, dang, is Frankie Edwards going to fight at 95 pounds next? Like, what is that? He is a tiny guy, man, for a. Uh, for any weight class, really, but uh, I hope he wins, man. We're, he's a great guy, man. Class act, great guy, and as balls as they come. But yeah, I remember when he beat Gray Maynard. That was that was one of the craziest fights I'd ever seen at that point, man, in my life. That uh, I don't remember if it was one or two, but they were they were going at that it. Was man. In 2011. It was so that was 11 years ago. Uh, ah, Lee, and and this was crazy. this fight. He's lost four to five. He's been knocked out of his last two fights. Uh man, he got knocked. I understand out. what you see. Just put him in with CM Punk or somebody or that Mike Jackson guy. Like, let some of these guys that want to go out, just Diego Sanchez. Let him have a win, man. There's enough guys out there somewhere they can beat. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you can let CM Punk fight a guy who's one and zero to try to get him a win, you can let Frankie Edgar fight a guy who's decent. They, they keep putting Mike Jackson against everybody they want to win. So that's what they should do. Yeah, just keep. He can just do like a round robin. Just everybody beat Mike Jackson on their way out, but. That it's like uh, that, it's like that guy, the Brooklyn Brawler, who was like, remember he used to go like this. Every, he bought yeah, every, <laughs> every week he was losing to somebody. The Brooklyn Brawler was that was uh, he, that, that guy. Was he, awesome. he, he follows me on Twitter. He's a very positive guy for, a guy for a guy who's lost. Meanwhile, Diego Sanchez was supposed to box Dan Hardy this weekend. It's on the undercard yeah. of Antonio Barrera, or Marco Barrera versus Ricky Hatton. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bringing out all the young, young talent, like uh, yeah, Lee, man. But I guess that, some that guys, dude, some of these guys didn't have the promoters. Actually, I, I, I had girls fighting with pillows, 
and stuff. So who am I to talk? But um, like some of these guys maybe got their promoter's license revoked, man, putting on these fights with these old guys that shouldn't be fighting, man. It's, uh, versus Marco Antonio Pereira. Dude, I know that's like, that's, God, I, that, that fight would have been awesome in 1989. Like, or whatever, like, that's, them guys are, I don't know how old they are, but them dudes are old. I, you know how old they are off the top of their head? I thought Ricky Hatton was dead. That's how, that's how old I thought he was. I thought he was dead. Uh, Dan Hooker is fighting this week against Claudio Puelas. He's the guy that, like, uh, leg-locked, uh, what's his name, really quick, your, your friend with the old uh, Clay Guida. Uh, so Hooker <laughs> needs a win. Dan Hooker hasn't he hasn't won in a while. Uh he was a That's another guy, Dan Hooker. They they just keep putting him with killers. Like let him get a win, man. Let him like let him make a little bit of a comeback. He's a good fighter, you know? Like just nah. Like they, they give him that to, what's his name? Um oh Arnold Allen was his last fight, but before Arnold Allen, they gave him uh yeah, he he had uh Islam but before and then he had that guy, and then he had Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. That's what I'm saying. Like, I like they do it like they're doing like Tony Ferguson, just putting him in the top three guy every fight. Like, oh, this will be the one he wins. Like, just uh, every uh, now and then. Like, uh, the other card, Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spann. Should be a good fight. Reyes, the guy that was with Doug Jones. Um, Aaron Bleichfeld, who's 23, 9-1, is fighting Meatball Molly. You know Meatball Molly? <laughs> no. <laughs> Does not sound like a UFC fighter, though. No, she meatball Molly McCann. She kicks ass. She's like a lesbian from Ireland. No, from from England. From England. Sorry, people watching. Uh, and she's she she beat Hannah Goldie her last fight. Hannah Goldie was the girl that on the way in tried to grab Dana White's cock, like at the end. Like she weighed in, and then you know Dana gives you like a pound or whatever. She went to reach for his nuts, uh, and then Dana like like. <laughs> How long ago was that? I know who Hannah is, but I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard about that. Was that recent? No, it's a couple of years. Um, uh, but uh, Meatball Molly knocked her out, um, and then she won by sprinting knockout against Luana Carolina. Carolina. She's she's huge in England. She's like the biggest thing right now in England. Meatball Molly. Uh, huh. So uh, she she she's always hanging out with um, Patty Patty the Batty. That guy who looks yeah. like Scooby Doo's friend, who's literally the biggest thing in England right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you said the biggest thing in England, I was trying to think of anything that was big in England. I should have went straight to him. I couldn't think of anything. Um, and then uh, what else? So yeah, so that oh yeah, so that's going on right now. Uh, we talked about the Roy Jones fight, fighting uh, that guy, uh, that guy, uh, no days off. That guy, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> Golly. Um, and then uh so people are uh Dustin Poirier has the new hot sauce. So a- Andrew Tate talks about a fight against Conor McGregor. <laughs> I love all these guys that want to it's kind of like me doing a podcast with Bill Vaughn, like all these guys that want to uh they everybody wants to fight Conor McGregor. I've actually seen, I'm not kidding you, dude, or Jake Paul. I saw a guy on my Facebook page. Say, dude, I'll fight uh, Jake Paul right now, and he's not even—he's not even a fighter. He's just some guy saying that. Like, I'll be his opponent for a million dollars. I'm like, dude, do you know how many other people would do that? People who say I'm like, like Mike Tyson all the time. I'll fight him for a million. Like, of course you would. Like, but no one wants to see you fight. You know, like, uh, hey, I did say I'm gonna tell you at Theo's show. I felt bad for his manager. Some guy was right before I talked to his manager. Some guy was showing him a picture he had taken with Theo. 
in somewhere in Ohio or something. And he wanted the manager to take his phone back there and ask Theo if he remembered meeting him uh, that night. Can you just for do me a favor and take us back there and just ask him if he remembers meeting me this night? He probably forgotten, but I'm just really curious. And his manager sitting there looking at him, he's like, um, here, just send it to me. And the guy goes, what's your number? He goes, oh, no, just send it on Twitter. Like he said, I'll go back and ask him. You know, just ask him. I want to buy him a beer later. I, I know I talked to him that night. I want to see if he wanted to maybe hang out tonight. And I remember thinking, oh, that night I was cracking up thinking, dude, how would you like to be that manager sitting there? And I thought I'm kind of that guy. Like I'm also in line. Hey, I want to meet Phil. Like I'm, oh, you know, that dude. Or yeah, there's a guy. I don't know how he got my number on a cruise ship. Maybe he. I don't know how he got my number. I think maybe I. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know how he got my number, but somehow he like he goes. The guy writes me like a whole list of a grant, and I write like thanks. Who's this? Like, and then he writes, <laughs> Oh, I met you on a cruise ship. I got some jokes. I thought maybe if you want them. So I wrote, right. I wrote back, cool. Dude, he wrote me like 19 pages of jokes. And like, I, so. Most dude, of them were stolen from that guy from New York. That wants, wants to I don't even know who, the, I don't even know who this guy is. Like literally, I, I mean, the guy writes me like, if I could like, I just, it's just scroll, right? Like. <laughs> it's blurred out because you're a thing. Because back in my day, nurses were hot. I remember going to the doctor and my uncle saying, don't you be flirting with the hot nurses. What happened? I'm sure that when they're feeding them at nursing school, big nurses out smoking on their break is all we get today. I go, sorry, that was what I get. I go, true. Sorry, who is this? <laughs> so I used to be Shab's head writer. You're like, oh, okay. My family sense. and I attended a show on a cruise. We enjoyed your show. I think there, uh, I have a few tidbits that you could have. Uh, uh, then he writes me like, 30 pages of jokes. Uh, he goes, hey, man, what do you think? I go, sorry, man, but I write my own jokes. Uh, uh, and then he writes, not a problem. Well, he's mad. Like, like, bro. And they get offended, yeah. <laughs> Dude, what's his name? Uh, Tom Atencio with Affliction. Do you remember him? The guy who's one yeah. of the owners yeah. of the T-shirt company Affliction. I met him on, as soon as I was UFC, I met him on an airplane. He's trying to talk to this girl in front of her. She's trying to talk to him. And uh, her name was, uh, I think, uh, Sheena and uh, and I asked her. I said, "Is it true you're good to go with a little funky Cole Medina? You know, like or whatever that old song, Funky Cole Medina." And Tom Tensio thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Didn't even know I fought in the UFC. I get talking to him. I said, "You guys actually sponsored me last fight." I said, "Good to see you're really keeping tabs on what's going on." You know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, "Oh no, no, I know who you are." You know, like we're talking, and then after a little while, he's like, uh, "He goes, hey man, I'm gonna have you come to my party, the affliction party, whatever. I'll give you two passes, you know, or whatever." So he gives them to me. And so I see him at the event. He's out there talking to somebody. I actually ran into him. I said, Tom, I'll see you tonight. You're still on for the party, right? And he's like, yeah. And then he leans over to me and goes, hey, you see that dude over there? Like, points at some dude. I'm like, yeah. He goes, do not invite him to the show. Don't let him have your other pass. And I thought, well, that's weird to pick out one person out of the crowd and just to yeah. say that. Why is he even that guy? would? He goes, dude, do not let, give that guy that other pass I gave you. And I was like, uh, or no, he gave me another pass for my friend. That's what it was, for a friend. But he said, you're not giving it to that guy, are you? Like, and points him out. And I was like, no, why? He goes dude, don't give that dude this pass. because you got to promise him, I'll throw you out of the party if you give that guy this pass. So then I like want to, I want to give it to him so bad. You know what I mean? Cause, he, cause he's like, I want to be there, you know, but I'm looking like, does he have a number on it? Is he going to know if I give it to him, you know, or whatever. So anyway, a few minutes later, I'm waiting to get a drink. And that guy comes up to me and goes, Hey man, so he's talking to Tom over. He's like, yeah, he goes, can you give me a favor and see if you get me a pass to his, uh, oh. to party. And I was like, oh, man, I, I can't. He goes, well, I saw him give you a couple. I said, yeah, that's me. And it's uh, my girlfriend. Even though I wasn't dating by the time. So that's my girlfriend, man. I can't. Well, just see if you can get another one. 
And I was like, no, nah, man, I really, I really can't. The dude kept following me around. So I go to the after party, which is at some casino in Las Vegas. The dude is standing out there outside, like, hey, man, do you have any luck on giving me that, get me that pass? And I was like, man, I can't do it. He goes, well, I'm just going to walk in behind you. We walk in, I'm going to see if I can sneak in. And I said, dude, you're not walking in with me. No. And he's like trying to tell security guard, I'm with him. Like, I'm saying, yeah. dude, he's not with me. Like, you're not with me. Stop. And he kept saying, oh, why are you being a dick? I don't know what to do. He's a stalker. I don't know what the deal is. So I said, the bouncer goes, he's not with you. I said, no, he's not with me. And then the guy's like, dude, where's, who'd you give your other pass to? You got another, no, no, I know you got another pass. He just keeps at it again or whatever, on and on. So the dude stays down there and stares at us all night, like from the, like across the thing, the affliction booth was up in this thing in this casino. I don't remember which one. And he's just standing there staring. And I said, Tom, what's the deal with that dude down there? Just like, dude, he's a weirdo. Just stay away from him. And so I like don't even want to go down and go to the bathroom because I don't want to get harassed by the guy. Like, he won't leave. And so I go, down there at some point, the guy hits me up and goes, dude, you asked Tom if I could come up just for a few minutes? And I said, dude, I don't know Tom that well. I can't do it. I don't know what the deal was, but that dude apparently, like, really wanted in that thing. And I wanted to so bad, man. I wanted uh, to give him my pass. Even, but I thought that will ruin a relationship with Tom if I do that, you know, or whatever. But guy, I didn't know. There was a guy when, uh, when I was with Piven touring. Some guy came to the show. I was like, hey, man, you and Piven want to come to this uh, after hours place? I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll ask him. Go, let me get your number. I get, I mistakenly get my number, right? <laughs> yeah, always a mistake. <laughs> like an hour later, yo, man, I got like three strippers. We're all ready to party. Tell Piven. Okay, cool. Yo, man, I got tons to blow. Three, it just, you know, that like song, that Christmas song, like, and a partridge. It just, it right. kept going. <laughs> like, by the end of the night, the guy had like 19 naked girls, like an orgy, cocaine, right. heroin, Molly. Like, I was like, we were not going anywhere near that fucking party. <laughs> and for some reason, he really wants you there. That doesn't make sense. Like, dude, you know what's going on? Why do you care if I'm there? Like, he, pivot. he wanted Pivot there. He didn't want me. But he kept oh, he did just here. Yeah, yeah. He wanted, he just kept, dude, it, it kept going. Like, it just, we, me and Pivot were just laughing all fucking night long. We uh, almost have to go at that point to see what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I had the same thing happen to it. I had a guy hit me up out of nowhere, asked how I'd been. I'm like, cool. I said, hey, I don't have this number stored in my phone. Who is this? And he goes, dude, really? And I'm like, Dude, I'm sorry. Lost my contacts, I guess, or whatever. You know, I don't know. And uh, he sends a picture of me and him at an airport. I don't even, he doesn't look familiar. I don't know who he is. I'm like, okay, cool. So sorry, man. I take a lot of pictures with people. Yeah, I just, I met you like six months ago on the way to San Diego. You were going to see your girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. I was like, cool, dude. Well, I, got, I met this doctor. I think he can help you on your back, man. You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Yeah, just send me the info. No, man, I'm a, I figure like, uh, you know, hook you up. Like, well, let's just call him like on a, on a whatever, Zoom or whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I like, I don't want to be like, I don't want this dude in my life. You know what I mean? And so he keeps blowing me up all the time. Dude, if you don't want help, just say it. So I said, I don't want help. Like I just said it, you know, because he's yeah, getting cocky yeah. at this point. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah, you're a big shot. I forgot. So then I start clowning this dude. Like, I start going back and forth. I start making fun. Like, what kind of weirdo meets somebody, waits six months, hits them up, and then blows them up? Like, this guy's the best stem cell doctor in the country. He does better than whatever they do. Because I told him, I apparently told him I was the one to go to Columbia to do it. He's the one that taught that guy in Columbia. I said, I never even told you who the guy in Columbia was. So what do you tell me? He taught, he said, professor, now you know, you know, like it's a, uh, but people, some people like that may get a little scary. How like, oh, yeah, no, 100%. You know, you know, whatever. No, one, one, yeah. Yeah, there's this there's this couple, there's this mom and son that come to every one of my shows in Vegas. Every single and that but fighters have restraining orders against them. Cause ah, like, and I'm like, ugh. ugh. Yeah, so try, yeah. to be, try to be nice, but you're just like that's the worst thing you can do. That's what I found out. The best is I used to learn Mitrione is the best. Like Mitrione will be like uh 
hey man, can we get a picture? He goes, yes, you can. And just keeps walking, like doesn't, <laughs> like, doesn't, like, doesn't actually take the picture with him, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, dude, how do you do that to people? He said, man, have you met how many weirdos out there? He goes, hey, you take one picture, then you got to take 10 because people start stopping. Then this, then before you know it, they're following you around all night. But yeah, it's awesome because they'd be like, hey, Matt, maybe can we get like a post picture? He'd be like, absolutely. And just keeps walking like doesn't hey, even. you ever hear of Connor McDavid? <laughs> no. Connor McDavid. Said, Connor McDavid? Yeah, he, he's the best hockey player in the league right now. Like just saying he's better than oh, Wayne yeah? He's like the greatest of all time, they're saying. He, so he comes huh. to my show in uh, – he, he like comes to my show in Canada, but I don't know who he is. Like, I don't watch hockey, you know? Uh, right. so, so I'm going to fuck with him a little bit, you know, a little bit, not much. Because I, I know they say, oh, God, McDavid's here, you know? So at the end, right. some like, he really is like the Beatles of Edmonton. Like, he really, like, right. like not even kidding. Like, he's, so somebody was like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And uh, he's like, he said, no. He's like, hey, man, I'm sorry, I got to get out of here. He had a date with him, and they had a friend's. And he goes, if I do it, it's going to be a mob. And it would have been, a, he would have had to take a hundred pictures, but I want to take right. a picture of him, but I didn't want right. to be like, but I don't want to ask. Cause I thought, right. cause, cause he probably would have said yes to me. I think. Cause he was like, right. hey, I'm doing a show. but then if he says, no, I'm a complete asshole. I just did an hour show. Right. And if he says yes, then it's like, I'm better than this fucking guy who came to my show. Who's in the audience. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, uh, right. yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I told Bill Goldberg told me no pictures tonight. Felt was sorry, and I was like, "You think I wanted a picture with you? That made me so mad." Like Bill, like I said, dude, I don't care who you are. Like Bill Goldberg, like because I didn't even ask. He's like, "Sorry, we got an elevator." I said, "Hey, what's up?" He goes, "Sorry, no pictures tonight, fellas." And I was like, "Cool, dude." Like I wasn't trying to get your picture. Like I don't give a uh -huh. shit, you know. But yeah, I had like three run-ins with Bill Goldberg. None of them were good. So the I best was when he I met his ex-wife stripping. She oh, did you? She was a stripper in, in uh, Atlanta. <laughs> And she was like telling me, she's like, my ex-husband is Bill Goldberg. Uh, and then I got a lap dance from her just because I wanted to say that his ex-wife gave me a lap dance. <laughs> and he was like, who's next? Like, it, uh, it was more about Bill yeah, Goldberg than the fucking, than the girl though. I know. I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like that dude, man. He, the best was when he got into it with, um, who's the kid who's doing oh, Matt uh, Riddle. Who's doing Matt Riddle. Yeah, Matt Riddle. And he's like, we need to have a talk later. And Riddle's like, okay. Like everywhere, no, we, you and I are going to have to talk outside. Real goes, okay. Like he's like, he'll, he'll whip Goldberg's ass, man. Like when Goldberg's oh, like, you know, God, we get understand. We're going to have to talk. Like, and he's like, I understand whenever you want. Let me know. Like it, uh, but I do, I'd love to see Goldberg in a real fight one time. People like that, pro wrestlers. I like a lot of pro wrestlers. Some of them are really cool, but the ones that believe their own gimmick are like, it's the funniest thing in the world to me, man. I think I told you about that when I used to, uh, travel with some of them on that, uh, I was just doing signing, like they had to come to a, a pro wrestling show, like a local, and then you do a signing, they pay a thousand bucks. So I was like, I'll do it. And then the pro wrestlers get mad at me because I don't charge for signing pictures. And they're like, dude, you're making us look like an asshole. I'm like, well, how much should I charge? I didn't, I just, I yeah, just yeah, signed yeah, pictures, yeah. you know, you know, and they're charging like 25 a piece. I'm like, dude, I can't ask somebody for 25 bucks for a picture. And I'm not even providing the picture. You know, I didn't have any pictures of me. People were having to do it. Like I felt weird, but they're saying, "Hey, get his signature. He's a real fighter. And he doesn't even charge." They're like saying that in front of. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I feel like I feel like an a hole. I'm like, dude, sorry, like or whatever. But those guys, we'd be on our way to like where I was driving this Vince guy he goes, "Tell you what, I don't even want to tell you what wrestler he is, but he's a famous one." He goes, "1987 Starcade." He said, "Toughest match of my life, man." He said three times he almost had me pinned, and I kick out. He's like telling about all this stuff or whatever. Finally, throw him against the ropes. I try a clothesline. He ducks under. I hit him with the, whatever his move is. He's out cold. I go to do this. His 
valet interferes, pulls me off. He's like all this and that. And then he's like, finally goes, then I get the pin. Greatest night of my life, man. And he goes, I, I never overcame so much in a match in one. And I, I had to finally say it. I said, dude, is this like real wrestling? Or were you like, you guys, were you really fighting? Or he goes, no, I mean, but it was a, it was scripted, like pro red, like it was set up. But I mean, I mean, that's a lot to overcome in a match. And I'm like, I was so confused. I was like, I was like, but but you guys knew what we're gonna what was gonna happen, right? He goes, yeah, but I mean, but my character, I mean, overcame so much. And I was like, he goes, you know what I mean, right? And I'm like, no, I don't like, I don't know what you mean. I'm completely lost at this point, you know. Like Dude, Roddy, uh, yeah, they talked about the Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was my favorite. Like his documentary. Yeah, when, when when he had he was against the Guerrero brothers. He had like fifteen thousand Mexican people in there, and he goes, everyone rise for the Mexican national anthem. I I, I, I won't apologize for everything I've ever said to you. Everyone rise. And he, everyone stands up and he, and he plays La Cucaracha, which is the cockroach <laughs> the bagpipes. Yeah. Like he said 20,000 seats came fucking flying at him. Nah, dude, dude, WrestleMania won. Like Vince McMahon leveraged his whole fucking everything. Like right. if, if it didn't work out, he had like Liberace was there. He had all these right. crazy people in there. And Roddy Piper refused to lose to Mr. T like because he wasn't a real wrestler. Like during right. the match, like during the match. They had to call an audible and be like, and they had right. to have like Paul Andorff lose because he's like, I'm not losing. He's not a real wrestler. <laughs> like, That's what Bill Goldberg didn't want to lose his streak. Whenever he lost his streak, I don't remember what happened, but um, he was saying like, we both know who would have really won that fight. Like, dude, Kevin number Nash, one, Kevin, Kevin Nash did it to him. Yeah, and he was saying like, we both know who would have really won if that was a real fight. So I didn't want to lose. So I'm like, dude. Number one, we don't know who would have won that fight because you're not a fighter. You know what I mean? Or like, we don't know. Number two, your 115th fight streak was all fake. He, he, he talks about like it's real. He's like, well, I mean, I'd won 115 straight. It's like, dude, it's scripted. Like, what? Like, but they, the ones that lose track of it are the funniest. Like, it's the funniest thing ever because they really do. Um, I had one of them talking to me about his record one time. He goes, yeah, I was on a little bit of a losing streak there. I lost. He had it all written down, like all those wins and losses. I lost seven in a row, uh, you know, during that month. That was tough. But then I came back at such and such. He had like this notebook with all his wins and losses written down. I was like, dude, that is awesome. Like, it, but he really like he. But they, uh, some of them, they really do start believing their own. Oh yeah, their own like gimmick. It's crazy, man. Oh um, yeah, but no. I wish Phil Goldberg would fight that riddle. That would be. They said Davy Boy Smith, or maybe it was a dynamite dynamite kid. They were all doing steroids in the back. And he would take the needles and throw them against a wall like darts. <laughs> like, right. The whole fucking wall. Was... <laughs> oh god! Crazy. Anyway, that's our show. I'm going to be in Alaska this week in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm leaving tonight, uh, and December third to the tenth, I'll be in Las Vegas at the uh, LA Comedy Club at the Strat. What do you got coming up, Sean? I'll be going to Houston this weekend to another wedding. One of my uh, fiance's good friends, but don't try to break in my house. Any burglars watching uh, watching this because I do have uh, cameras and my son will be here. So, all right, um, good luck, good luck getting in there. So, all I got right. I've got really good cameras everywhere, and I watch. It's funny. I find myself watching my house the entire time I'm gone. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like making sure nobody's breaking in. Ever since I had that meth head out here. So, well, so you get a fast man. I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you, buddy. Take care.